Hi, welcome to Unshushed. We're very excited to talk about our books this week, and we have some new guests to introduce. I'm Mindy Hutt, and we have some, my guest here today is my intern, and I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, I'm Nicole Plus, and I'm interning for elementary, high school, and middle school libraries, getting to learn a lot and read a lot. Pretty awesome. Hi, I'm Stephanie Gans. I'm an intermediate ELA teacher, and I am guest starring for uh, Aaron Logan, the librarian here at my school. I'm Shirley Dickey. I'm the librarian at Clear Lake High School here again and enjoying the fact that we are all here together. I'm Tanya Castillo, and I'm the librarian at Brookside Intermediate in, and I'm very excited. This is, I'm just guest starring today. Awesome. What book did you want to talk about today, Tanya? Uh, today I'm going to talk about Odd One Out by Nick Stone. It's Nick Stone's new book. Very different from her first book, also really fabulous. This book features the main characters of Courtney and Jupiter. Courtney moves next door to Jupiter when he's seven years old after his dad passes away. And Jupiter lives with her two dads. And she is an out lesbian. And this is a book that deals with LGBTQIA. They live in a very liberal society. And um, the two dads, her two dads kind of serve as Jupiter's, I mean, as a Courtney's kind of stand-in dad since his dad has passed away. They've been best friends forever. They're in high school. They, they're very active at their high school. He's, like, he's an athlete. He's a basketball star. And he's also a cheerleader. And she is uh, very involved and in, her, in the LGBTQIA community at her school. And they've been very, very tight. And all of a sudden, a new girl moves in, and her name is Ray. And they both have feelings for Ray. So how is this going to change the dynamic of Jupiter and Courtney? I really, really loved this book. It's very different than her first book. I, I read it thinking that it was going to be a new Black Lives Matter book, just like Dear Martin. And it wasn't. It was a definitely an LGBTQIA book. It definitely still has minority characters. I love that she writes books about issues that are not often written about and that she's putting that out for the YA community that needs to be able to see people like themselves. So I think it's another really, really good read. I would absolutely not put it in an intermediate library, though. It's very, very high school. There's definitely some very graphic sex scenes in this book. And so it is not for intermediate. It's definitely for high school, but it was really fantastically written. She does a really good job, again, of touching on sensitive subject matter in an excellent way that kids are going to love. That's so exciting. I can't wait to share it with some of my kids that loved Dear Martin, but also a whole nother group of people that I think will enjoy it. I think it's fantastic, too, that more and more authors are writing books that are normalizing all choices, all types of choices and lifestyles for people. So I think it's great. And I think it's a wonderful movement in our community that is helping lots and lots of teenagers see themselves and know that they're okay in spite of whatever might be happening in their own personal communities. I've seen that too. As a special education teacher, I do a lot more of picture books and mentor text. And something that this reminded me of is there's been a big movement towards making characters that happen to be gay or have a gay mom or characters that are black, but the book and the conflict are not about those features of them. So I felt like what you described from this book is something I definitely want to read because there's a bigger story there. And I think that young adult has really done a good job of starting to encompass that and to put those stories out there where they can see themselves because they're a little different, but also that they have the same problems and issues as everybody else. 
they just approach it differently and experience it differently. So I really love that. I was just really excited to see a book that some of my students that I know are here right now can see themselves in where they have two moms or they have two dads. And that's totally normal because that's the society we live in. Like it's normal to have all different kinds of families. And I love that Nick Stone is putting that out there. But also I love that Nick Stone is putting out there that it's normal to have um, feelings, maybe if you're a girl for girls and if you're a boy for boys, and she's putting that out there as normal. I love that she writes about that. Right, that it's not necessarily even just different, kind of like I said a second ago, that's not exactly what I meant, that it is, it can be considered normal right now, it's still taboo, and it's still out of the norm for us, but you're right, these authors are really putting it out there that it's another option, and that people don't have to feel so different because of it. I like that Tanya is the librarian where most of my kids come to my school from, and so I love that they have a support system there and have someone who accepts them for who they are. And then also she gives me some recommendations for books that even though they're not intermediate, I can have her kids read over here when they get here. Nicole, did you want to talk about your book? Yeah, we'll head on to mine. I read, this, I'm, the book I'm going to talk about today is Spill Zone by Scott Westerfield. And it's actually a graphic novel. This book is awesome because for one thing, it was really riveting, like the plot just kind of draws you in. So to give you a little bit of background, the main character, Addison, her family or where she lives has been affected by some kind of spill. We don't know what has been spilled, but we know the area is now weird. Strange things are happening. The government has kind of blocked it off and both of her parents were killed in the spill. So her kind of hobby is she goes into the spill zone illegally and she takes pictures of it because there's a lot of interesting things that go on. So the idea that what she does is take pictures kind of matches nicely with the format of this is a graphic novel because students can kind of see the things rather than just reading about the description, they can see what she's taking pictures of. So she is trying to earn money through her photographs to support her younger sister, Lexa, who was also affected by the spill and she no longer talks. So this story, um, you know, it's kind of adventure. It's definitely sci-fi. There's creatures that would not exist in real life. And we know that there's also some kind of mystery because there's also been a spill in North Korea. And so we have a Korean character who, was, who lived through the spill, and he's coming over to America. And so the book really leaves you hanging because in the end, it's like they're both posts to meet up, but they never do. So anyways, that was the story. It was really interesting, fast-paced. It was a quick read, so, you know, all different levels of students would really enjoy this book. Would you say it's more sci-fi or adventure? That's hard to choose. I mean, there's a lot of adventure. She's going out. To, it's, you know, thrilling. She's going to this dangerous area. But then there's also the sci-fi elements. There's these creatures. There's kind of almost like zombies going on. There's just mysterious forces that no one really knows what it is. So I guess ultimately it's sci-fi, but it's adventurous sci-fi. Was there any sort of like government role in there? When you said there was a spill in another location, I wondered if it touched a little bit on the dystopian government involvement theme that are in so many of those types of books. Not really. It's the government is more, they've got the military out there blockading this area. So this area is just off limits. No one's allowed to go in there. It's illegal to go in there. They took all the people who are exposed off to be studied. 
And that's really the extent of the government so far. But you can tell there's going to be more books in this series. And we'll see how that, you know, comes out to play. Because they did mention that the Korean government didn't mind sending people in to study the school zone. Whereas this American government, where the main character is, they're trying to keep people out of the school zone because it's not safe. I think it's great that you're including a graphic novel in this book talk today because graphic novels really, I think, get a bad rap. Many people believe they're less, less good for students than... That they're not a real book. Yes. And in fact, they take a lot more work to read than a regular textual book because the kids have to decode both the images and the words as they read which is a higher level skill, I think. And I'm, I'm very glad you included it today. Absolutely. My kids, they're the gateway to get them reading. And so the graphic novels, their reading levels, they are 14 years old, but their reading levels are not. And so graphic novels build that bridge for them where they can still be connected to the higher level content that they very much need to think about and talk about and know about. So I love graphic novels for that reason too. Right. And some graphic novels have more words than others. And this one isn't extremely wordy. So this would be a good kind of entryway graphic novel for maybe a reluctant reader, someone just getting into it. But this it still has like a riveting plot, a lot of characterization. You know, there's some foreshadowing and there's all those elements are still involved in the story. So it's great for different levels of readers. Yeah. And Scott Westerfield has such a great reading range, lots of different books and genres that he writes, but mostly I would say, you know, adventurous, sci-fi, dystopia type books. And a reader who may not be able to tackle some of his larger chapter books may be able to still enjoy his imagination and stories, but through the graphic novel version. The book I read was On the Come Up. It was a book by Angie Thomas. I was super excited to read it. It just came out. But I was so nervous because her debut novel, The Hate You Give, I think two years ago, it was such a sensation. It was such a deep book. It had so many themes of racism and finding yourself and family. It was it was just so good. They made it a movie. The movie actually was pretty good too, and I don't say that often. But I started reading this a little reluctantly because I thought, what if that was her big hit and I'm going to grade this so hard because that one was so good. Can I be fair to this book? And from the first page, I started flagging all the parts that I love because that's what I do. But then I just stopped because I realized by the 30th page that I, they couldn't make enough flags for me. I loved everything she was saying. So the background of this book, she, as an author, she has a BFA in creative writing and she's a former teen rapper. So this again has a female protagonist, Brianna's her name. Her dad is, he's dead. He got shot by one of the local gangs. He was also a rapper. And so she is rapping and she's got an aunt who's encouraging her and a mom who's a former drug addict. So she's facing the the difficulty of finding herself, finding her life, deciding who she is, but also living in her dad's shadow. She wants to rap too, and they constantly refer to her as her dad was known as Law, so Lil Law, and she wants to just be Brianna and find her own way. So it's a book where she's got a couple good friends. It does deal pretty heavily uh, with the racism aspect and the targeting and things like that, but what I loved about this one even more than The Hate You Give was it dealt with her inner conflict. I felt like Star in the hate you give had a lot of external conflicts with racism and growing up in the external society aspects but Brianna's focus is very much about who she is and and staying true to herself and not selling out as she gets 
a chance at fame. And as she gets more well-known, it's very much an internal struggle between herself and her family. You get to see that struggle in some of the other characters as well. So that was neat about this book. And I guess that's really it without me spoiling too much, but I absolutely loved it. I couldn't wait to read it. And she, Angie Thomas did it again. She's now one of my favorite authors. I had high expectations and she didn't disappoint. Yeah, all of our English teachers here say the writing in her second book was amazingly developed compared to her first. Yeah, let me say that. So I wondered, okay, so in the book, she speaks as a, she's a first person narrator and she is Brianna. And I felt like because of her history as a former teen rapper, she grew up in Mississippi. So I'm not sure about the city aspect or exactly how I'm not sure about those differences, but I felt like she had such a connection that when she spoke as the narrator, she just brought her to life. And when she had the pages where she had the flows and the raps, the words were so deep and so poetic and so beautiful that you absolutely, cause she would tell you the, the beat that it went to and you could absolutely feel the rhythm and hear the rhyme and feel the hype. You couldn't help but get into this book in every way possible. I felt like she definitely developed her craft even more about putting the reader inside of the story and that she did that again with another strong female protagonist. I feel like that's her specialty. She embodies them and she brings them to life. And as a reader, I am not going through what Brianna is going through in her situation, but I very much could feel a part of her. Well, I haven't watched, read that book yet, although um, I can't wait to. I hope that the, um, the audiobook uh, narrator does justice. I haven't had a chance to look that up or uh, listen to a piece or anything yet, but I'm excited and I can't wait to, to hear more from the narrator and see if that does match the rhythm and the rhyme that you were talking about in the book. That really is a thing, don't you think? The audiobook narrator can make or break a book, and it really makes a difference. This is Shirley. The book I'm going to talk today is called Defy the Stars. It's written by Claudia Gray, who's pretty well known. I originally read this book because it was on the teen top 10 list. That's put out by Yalsa. For our listeners who don't know about Yalsa, Yalsa is, a, is the young adult division of the American Library Association. And the teen top 10 list is chosen and voted on by teenagers. So though the books on the list may not always be critically acclaimed books, they're always books that the teenagers love. So with that in mind, I always try to read the books on that teen top 10 list. I wasn't sure how much I would like it, given that it was, I wasn't sure how much I would like it since it was recommended by teenagers, but I really, really did like it in the end. In fact, it had a lot of depth that I didn't expect to find because when I read the blurb and wanted to get into the book, I discovered that it's really about artificial intelligence and about what happens to Earth when we, as Earthlings, destroy our planet. <sighs> this is a space opera about a time when Earth has used up all its resources and humans have colonized several other planets. The central storyline follows Naomi and Abel as they try to save Naomi's planet, which is called Genesis, from an invasion by those people who still remain on Earth and have continued to destroy it. And they have a robot army. So that's where artificial intelligence comes in. The catch is that Naomi is human while Abel is an artificial intelligent being who has been made to look 100% human. 
I'm very, really very impressed with Claudia Gray's ability to weave an exciting sci-fi adventure with a serious look at artificial intelligence. And in addition to that, a slow-burning love story between Claudia and Abel, which carefully examines artificial intelligence on tons of different level levels. Um, she also works in social circles. She works uh, on social circles like faith and discrimination through the situations in her story and has a lot to say about how we treat each other in all types of circumstances. The dialogue is snarky and funny uh, while never demeaning the seriousness of the subplot discussions. So I really like that about the book, that it can be entertaining on the top level and very deep as you go down into the layers. I really loved it. I think it's worth reading and it is high school or middle school level. And it's also worth noting that the second book in the it's called the Constellation series. The second book did come out last fall. It's called Defy the Worlds, and it did not disappoint. Though I admit the second book focuses more on the storyline and less on the AI and cultural subplots of the first book. So it was really, really very interesting, very nuanced, uh, especially in the ways that talked about artificial intelligence and as that slow-burning romance continues through the story, all of the struggles that she goes through as she considers that whether or not Abel is human or sentient or whatever word, buzzword makes you happy. It was really, really, really interesting. I had to actually look back at my previous books that I had read because as you were talking, it looked, sounded very similar to Heart of Iron by Ashley Polston. And she is in love with a robot. She even like kisses him on the mouth at like fairly early on in the book. Um, and so I thought, wait, is this, is this in the trilogy? And I missed that, <laughs> that aspect of it or something. Um, but no, it's a different author with a different title. So it's also you know, they're in, in space and they have to figure out where she comes from and where, you know, why he, the robot follows her and is with her all the time. But that's a totally different story, but it kind of has some of the same elements. It'd be interesting to read them both and compare. I don't think I've read Defy the Stars. So next on my list, I'll have to make that happen. I have that in my library too. I'm so excited to read that now. Thanks for sharing that, Shirley. Sure. I'm kind of curious on the love story aspect when you were first explaining it and hadn't gotten that far yet. I was curious, but it also made me wonder, I feel like that's going to be an upcoming theme. The more we advance as humans with technology and the closer we get to artificial intelligence, that there's definitely going to be some sort of ethical boundaries, be it their rights as citizens or people falling in love. I kind of feel like that's something that's going to be bigger in literature the closer we get to those breakthroughs. So I think that that's interesting because of the other books, say even the Unwind series where people are taking pieces and parts of each other to be better. It's still sort of along those lines, not necessarily the artificial intelligence, but the rebuilding bodies. So I'm, I'm curious to see the themes as the technology advances. I think you're absolutely right that even now people have inappropriate relationships with technology. I don't see that getting better. I see it getting worse as we as we advance. So this is Mindy Hutt, and I'm a high school librarian. And I the book that I t chose to talk about today is called. 
Pride. It is the same author that wrote American Street. And this, I don't know how to pronounce her name. I'm so sorry. But her first name is I-B-I and her last name is Z-O-B-O-I. And and it is a play on Pride and Prejudice. There are definitely some elements that are similar, but honestly, like halfway through, I, I got confused as to how they could be related because it, it is such its own story um, that you forget that it is on based on a different title. So it's based on a character named Zuri Benitez, and she is one of the Benitez sisters. Um, there are five of them, and um, she is, I think, the second oldest in the story, and she is from Bushwick, a neighborhood in Brooklyn, and I learned a new word while, well, I mean, I learn things all the time, but I really didn't know the word gentrification. I knew the concept, and um, I had had debates with my husband about this, but I didn't know that actual term. And when I was reading reviews, I was like, what is this gentrification? And then I was like, oh, no, that's exactly what the book deals with. My internal debate when I watch all of these shows where they go into older neighborhoods um, and they buy out a house and then they sell it for a few million dollars is what has happened to that older neighborhood and the feel of that neighborhood when the house was only worth $20,000 instead of, you know, millions. Um, And that's actually what happens. A family moves across the street and they have two beautiful black boys in their family that just so happen to be the same ages as the girls across the street. Uh, They admire them and they have been watching the house that was bricked up and uh, boarded over, I mean, uh, and they have been watching all of the fancy furniture and the fancy appliances being moved in to that house all summer. And they looked at it as, you know, what is going on? What is happening? But Zuri really feels a connection to the neighborhood. You can almost feel the beat to the neighborhood. She sees things that I have seen in neighborhoods. And in the way she tells them, it makes you feel more connected to neighborhoods as you drive by. Um, One of the most poignant examples I heard was when her boys are hanging out on the corner of the street. She said a lot of people see them as trouble. They're just waiting for trouble, waiting to do the next drug deal. And she said in her neighborhood, that's not true. Those boys are looking out for the neighborhood. They know who's coming in, who's going out and always ready to stand up for the people that lived there. She feels very safe in her neighborhood. She has a lot of charisma and personality, and she will tell off anybody that she needs to tell off. The five sisters have a reputation of don't mess with us. We are the Benitez sisters, and we will let you have it. Uh, Her father is protective, and they are very mindful of their reputation. So when they see the beautiful boys, they are interested, especially the twins that are a little bit younger. They're just kind of realizing that, you know, they might be interesting to boys too. And so they're really into the whole love thing. Whereas Zuri has kind of, is a little bit too tough for that kind of um, affection to bother her. So 
she does reluctantly get to know one of the boys and his nice name is Darcy and he is a more standoffish than the other brother. So obviously there's some parallels there, but he to me never fully develops as a huge character. I do love that, you know, through the book, he becomes more and more sympathetic to her and more respectful of her, but she never really explains why she likes him more than him being beautiful. So I was really looking for a little bit more on that, but I feel like she as a character is fully developed. The neighborhood is almost its own character and you feel very connected to the neighborhood and her by the time the story is over. I think it's really interesting that you're talking about this book because this book was discussed at my book club last night. And actually, I checked it out and it's on my order list for the library. I'm really excited about it. I'm excited about a new Afro-Latino book coming out. Uh, It was discussed as the neighborhood and some of the um, themes being very similar to, although this one is not, I know that this book is more realistic. It's not um, fantasy or paranormal, but they they discussed it as very similar to Shadow Shaper by Daniel Jose Older and also Poet X by uh, by Elizabeth Acevedo because again this is all of these stories are taking place in Brooklyn in New York City with Afro-Latino characters so I'm super excited to to read this new book especially as somebody from Afro-Latino descent who was born in Brooklyn so um, thank you for sharing that I'm so excited that you talked about that one. Yes um, Zuri is a Haitian Dominican and so another part that I really enjoyed was her talking about her mother even though they have a tiny tiny kitchen cooking for everyone in the neighborhood and the taste of her kitchen you could just tell would be fabulous and wonderful and she shared it with everyone she's she knew. So I think this book strikes a nerve with me because I for a time lived in the Houston Heights. I bought a house there. That's an area of Houston, which was pretty run down and it has been gentrifying for about 15 or 20 years. And I did buy a house there in the early nineties because I was a teacher single and couldn't afford anything more expensive. So I did buy a very rundown house in the Houston Heights and fixed it up. And I, my own personal perspective, it never, I never once considered the perspective of the people who are already living in that neighborhood and what they might think. So this makes me want to read the book because it will give me a window into something I really hadn't considered before that, you know, the assumptions you make before you know better that they should be happy we're moving in, we're, we're making the place safer or these houses look nicer or whatever the paradigm you live under may, may tell you. So I'm, I'm interested. I'm, I think I'll read this one and see if I can open some windows for myself into something I hadn't considered before when I moved in, fixed up that house. And then ultimately when I got married, I did sell it for a considerable amount more than I bought it for. Um, One of the things that she talks about is the people that she used to see in her neighborhood that she doesn't see anymore, like the old lady pushing the cart and all of the belongings were in her cart, and she's worried about her, and she wonders, where did that lady go? Where did the cart go? You know, is she found another place in another neighborhood where they will watch out for her, too? 
I can see that being a thing. You know, I, I hadn't really considered it before. So I think that's everybody in our uh, podcast today. Thanks for listening. And thanks everybody for talking about your books. We will definitely have our list up on Goodreads soon under Unshushed Librarians. We have a whole list. And then we also have a website, unshushedlibrarians.weebly.com. Hope to hear from you soon. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.